Welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. This is our first Thursday show of the new year. And even though that little slide that you just saw said new uh, members only episode, again, I'll remind you that in this new year, the Thursday shows are available for everyone. They're no longer a members feature. Members get different treats, but this show is for everyone. And I so appreciate everyone tuning in to America Can We Talk. I do want to wish you a happy new year. If this is the first show of the year you've paid attention to or tuned into. Um, and I also want to mention one quick thing about January 6th. First of all, it's a beautiful Christian holiday. It's Epiphany. Let us not allow the left to steal that and become what they want to call Insurrection Day. So if you want a name for January 6th, that is based in reality and truth, we ought to call it either the Ashley Babbitt Memorial Day because she was the one victim actually harmed by the violence by a Capitol Police officer, or perhaps the Ray Epps Day. Ray Epps being the one individual who was caught on camera stirring up the crowd on January 5th and January 6th, urging people to get inside the Capitol and then uh, somehow never got prosecuted. And he got inside the Capitol, never got prosecuted. He disappeared from the FBI. Uh, wanted list or a list of pictures of people they were looking for. I only say that do not let the left steal January 6th. It's a beautiful holiday. It's also a day we should remember that American patriots have the right to stand up and speak up. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We actually have a great <laughs> 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 And my audience loves it. Yeah. So what we are going to talk about today, we actually have a guest in studio, as we always do on our Thursday shows. We have Dr. Brian Artis here. And I'm just going to give the briefest of introductions because I am sure that most of my listeners have heard of him before. Uh, he happens to live in the Dallas area, which was great to have him be available for us. Um, and he is a doctor who's been outspoken, talking really uh, internationally and also in America about the concerns surrounding uh, the treatment that doctors in our country and hospitals in our country have been forced to apply to COVID patients. This remdesivir, particularly the longest, I hope I'm even saying it right, Then I think it's remdesivir, but we're really going to talk about is how, what happened at the beginning of COVID, uh, in a COVID policy in 2020, how we got down the path of having Dr. Fauci uh, push remdesivir on hospitals and patients, much to their detriment, and many other things related to how we handle COVID policy. So please, let's welcome Dr. Brian Artis. It's great to be here, Debbie. Happy Great New have, Year. So glad. Happy New Year to you, and so glad you could be here. I'll, I'll mention to our, our listeners, you, I know you, as, very quickly as a background, um, you actually had, used to practice medicine in two different states, uh, in Tennessee and Texas. Uh, you're now based here in Texas. Uh, you're a chiropractor, and uh, you're also, I just want to commend, you have a researcher's heart or mission, because early on, when Dr. Uh, Fauci decided that the way America was going to treat COVID patients was with remdesivir, uh, you looked into that. And I really, I want to let you just explain your research. But the other quick thing I'll say is many people in the millions actually saw your interview with the German lawyer, Reiner Fulmick. I'm going to come back to him a little bit later and what he's doing. But starting with you, you understood early on in COVID that Dr. Fauci was urging hospitals, he chose remdesivir above other medications, 
and you had a problem with that. What was the problem? Yeah, uh, great points. And yes, Dr. Rainier Fulmick, that was a great interview. We'll go to that. But in May 2020, I really did have the time to actually look at this NIH mandated protocol for COVID-19 patients. And it happened to be that because I actually sold my practice a year earlier than the pandemic started. And I really think that's the only reason why I had the time and was one of the few doctors in the country that even looked at the studies that Anthony Fauci was quoting on the NIH's website that supported the use and the mandate for one single experimental drug called remdesivir. And yes, lots of people mess up the pronunciation for that. So Dr. Ryan Cole out of Idaho walked up to me a couple months ago and he goes, just start telling people to call it run death is near. <laughs> okay, that is it, run death is near, We're, so, sold, sold. Just okay. remember, <laughs> run death is near, remdesivir. That is actually uh, how I like everyone to learn it, to remember, because it really is that dangerous. So in May of 2020, Anthony Fauci put out a memo and that was on the NIH's website. It has never been since the beginning of the pandemic that the CDC put out a protocol for treating all COVID-19 hospitalized patients. It wasn't the FDA that put out a mandated protocol for COVID-19. It was always the NIH and Anthony Fauci. So in May of 2020, Anthony Fauci put out this memo that CDC and the FDA adopted as the policy mandating treatment for all hospitalized COVID-19 patients in America. So I read the study or read the memo and the memo stated that this is an antiviral experimental drug called remdesivir that was proven to be safe and effective against the Ebola virus in a trial in Africa a year earlier. And then it was also proven safe and effective against COVID-19 in a study done in March of 2020, just two months earlier than the memo came out. And I just clicked both of the studies because I had never heard of this drug. The first thing I learned was in the memo, he didn't mention it was FDA approved. And this is important for the audiences. You live in a country, at least I have for the last 45 years, where we have been conditioned to trust an FDA review process, review process, and then an approval stamp that this is proven safe and effective either as a drug, a therapeutic, or a medical device. All of a sudden, it was shocking to me to read this memo that Anthony Fauci, who actually at the time I had never even heard of, when I saw his name and read the memo, I was very curious as to why it was he was pushing a never FDA approved before drug on the masses and in the same memo bashing two FDA approved drugs that have been around for decades. Which were? Hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. Okay. And he said in the memo, you're not to use hydroxychloroquine. It was proven to be deadly in COVID-19 treated patients in a trial, an international trial. He said it caused heart failure and death in COVID-19 patients. That was in May of 2020. So all I was curious about was the remdesivir drug. So I clicked the two studies only to be taken to the New England Journal of Medicine where this study is still published. Y'all can all still go look at it. It's the one I reviewed. It's the one I've been all over internationally talking globally about my concerns about this drug. Now, immediately I had a problem. In the study, they put four drugs in the Ebola trial in Africa that Anthony Fauci was referencing, proving that this drug was found to be safe and effective against that virus, which now he's saying, we're gonna use it against this novel new coronavirus. In that study, there was four drugs, one called remdesivir, run death is near. Number two was called ZMAP, and ZMAP was a triple monoclonal antibody put in by DARPA, our defense research contractors, okay? The third drug in that Ebola trial was called MAB114, which was a single monoclonal antibody put in by the Department of Health and Human Services. 
And then Regeneron, have you guys heard of Regeneron? So yeah. Regeneron is a triple monoclonal antibody that's being promoted now in some circles, but not by our federal health government. So our federal health agencies are still not pushing monoclonal antibodies or that supportive. So I'm looking at this study, looking at these four drugs, and to my shock, this study started in November of 2018 and was published in December of 2019, right before the pandemic here in the United States of COVID-19. And in May 2020 is when he publishes this mandate that we're going to use just this one drug from that study, only to find out that when you're looking at the study in the mortality section, every study of a researched clinical experimental drug, there is an independent safety board overviewing the data to determine is this drug safe, effective, or dangerous. Halfway through the study that I'm reading on the doing the Journal of Medicine, remdesivir was pulled from the study by the safety board halfway through the study because they found it to be not only the least effective of the four drugs, it actually was the only drug that had a mortality rate or a death rate over 50%. I have to stop there just to, because I would, I would tell you, this is great that you're a doctor and you can read this and follow it and understand how they work. But just to drive that point home to our listeners, this drug that, that two studies Dr. Fauci pointed to to justify his policy that said hospitals should and must use uh, run death is near, remvestidir. Right. Exactly. And, and in the studies he pointed to, the first one we're not talking about from Africa, it was among the four treatments being analyzed for Ebola patients, it was the least effective and actually had a lethality rate of over 50%. Is and that it was accurate? the only one that had over 50% death rate. So remdesivir had a death rate of 53.1% of all people they gave the drug to, they died in Africa. The safety board in August of 2019, halfway through the study said, we're pulling this drug from the study and we're not gonna give it to anybody else here in Africa because it's too deadly. They also pulled ZMAP, which was a triple monoclonal antibody put in by uh, DARPA because it had a death rate of 49.7%, which is really close to 50, but not over 50. So they pulled those two and only allowed MAB114 and Regeneron to continue to the end of the trial. Regeneron had a mortality rate of 33% in the trial. Regeneron did. MAB114 had a mortality rate of 35%. So these are the four statistics that the safety board looked at for that study. They said Regeneron has a death rate of 33%, MAB114 has a death rate of 35%, ZMAP 49.7, Remdesivir 53.1. We are pulling ZMAP and Remdesivir from the study. We're only going to give them these two drugs. And this is what I've said nonstop in all of my events that I speak at, everywhere that I'm at. When I look at audiences, I will ask them. I'll put up the table. Look at the study, table two. It gives you all of these percentages of death. And I look at the audiences and I go, if you had one research study you were looking at, to try to protect as many Americans as possible from dying from a virus. And these were your only four. Which one would you have selected as your one drug of choice? Would you have picked the one that had the highest death rate or the lowest? And everyone in the audience always says, I would have picked the lowest. No kidding. Why did Anthony Fauci pick the highest death total drug in that trial? And so when I read that, I knew immediately, the only thing I knew about Anthony Fauci at this point, five minutes into reading this research study was, he's lying to the American public. It was not proven safe and effective. The safety board deemed it the least effective and the most dangerous, and not to be given to any more innocent people in Africa. Then I went to see who funded the study, because then I wanted to know, well, how much of a liar is Anthony Fauci? Like, how much did he really know about this study? Because anybody could have funded it, I didn't know. 
Uh, look at the funding. There's only one person that actually funded the entire one-year study in Africa on the Ebola virus, and it was Anthony Fauci and his NIAID department. So not only would he have had the data, it would have been being fed to him and he would have been reviewing it the entire year of that study. So when the safety board would have pulled remdesivir in August of 2019, they would have notified Anthony Fauci that this drug is the least effective and most dangerous, we're pulling it. So then I knew he was a liar. Then I wanted to see what was, what, what did he find in the second study that he said supported its use against COVID-19? And in March of 2020, two months earlier than this memo, Gilead Sciences, who owns the patent rights and the manufacturing of remdesivir, conducted their own study. It's called a cohort study. They took 53 patients from multiple countries, Germany, Japan, Canada, and America, who had COVID-19 positive PCR tests, and they gave them run death is near. They gave it to them for 10 days only. This is amazing. Gilead knew that their drug in August, the year before, got pulled for being the most lethal in that trial. But three months later into the pandemic in 2020, they're allowed to give that same drug to 53 COVID-19 patients from multiple countries. And I looked to see what their conclusions were of their own funded study. 31% of everyone they gave that drug to for five to 10 days experienced multiple organ failure, acute kidney failure, hypotension, and septic shock as a result of that drug. And some of the participants had to be taken off the drug for kidney transplants from the drug. This is when I knew what Anthony Fauci was doing. I knew what the NIH was doing. They were setting up a protocol of mass genocide on innocent Americans for an agenda. And I I had to expose it. This is not a joke. I was so disturbed that same day I had to hire a publicist to get me in the media. And And I wasn't talking to all of these doctors. I wasn't talking to Richard Bartlett. I wasn't talking to all these great people who are standing for innocent Americans around the country and around the world. I wasn't talking to Dr. Rainier Fulmick. I didn't know any of these people. All I knew was I was not going to sit back one more second and allow some man to lie to the American people about a hospital protocol that was designed to save them from an impending pandemic. When in reality, I knew immediately he was going to use that drug in hospitals and murder innocent Americans with that drug. And then he was going to call it death by COVID-19 infection. And then he was going to promote something as a result, which was going to be an upcoming vaccine as a savior and he was going to use the death tolls totals in hospitals who were actually dying from remdesivir poisoning causing acute kidney failure liver failure and heart failure i knew he was going to do it i could see the whole thing laid out from these two studies it is still today the only fda approved drug for all hospitalized covid 19 patients and i've been talking about this for it feels like two years already it's very close to two years yeah and may it will be but uh, we're up to 850,000 dead COVID-19 Americans. No other country even has 700,000 dead in their entire, in the entire world. We in America, the greatest healthcare system in the entire world has failed the most in a worldwide pandemic. America has less than 5% of the entire world's population. At the end of 2020, we had 25% of all the dead COVID-19 people. And you attribute that to are the expansive use in America of remdesivir. Ninety percent of all the deaths that have occurred due to COVID nineteen were actually toxicity from remdesivir poisoning, and that's what. Ninety percent of the COVID deaths in America were really due to the toxicity. I attribute them ninety percent of all deaths to remdesivir okay. poisoning. So I mean, I go back and first. We called you- it. Listen, we called it. Run death is near. Yeah. <laughs> 
Remdesivir was proven to be a killer. I said since May of 2020, it will kill upwards of 30% of all people you pump this into them within days five to 10. That's what the Gilead study found in March of 2020. Okay, has this question ever been put directly to Dr. Fauci? Why would you choose this among the other drugs? Has he ever been forced to answer that to your knowledge? No, but I've invited him in many, many interviews. Well, I'll invite him right now. And, he can come on this show and talk and come about why. Come explain it to me. He's never responded in a year, so come, come tell me. So you're unaware of any justification he would offer, and he just and so and you're attributing, and I'm not questioning. I'm just going to repeat for emphasis, as my dad used to always say, repeat for emphasis. You're really thinking that the use of remdesivir to harm Americans, knowing Fauci, knowing what would occur did this to build up a death rate to justify the development and pushing of the vaccines? Absolutely. Anthony Fauci, the NIH, the FDA, the CDC, our entire, entire all of the federal health agencies knew they had to convince Americans that this was a very deadly virus. But when the bioweapon, this bioweapon was released, I think they figured out between November of 2019 and May of 2020, it just wasn't as deadly as they wanted it to be. And they had to have their backup plan, which was already planned. They were going to use remdesivir to further the damage and harm from what they released. They knew it would cause acute kidney failure. I knew that when they shut down the kidneys with remdesivir, they were going to flood these innocent Americans with water in an IV bag, fluid bag. And when you shut down the kidneys, that's how your body excretes water. And I knew that they were gonna to lie to everybody and say that when they got into the hospitals and started being treated, they were experiencing acute kidney failure leading to COVID pneumonia or secondary COVID pneumonia, when in fact, it was always pulmonary edema, water filling up in their lungs because you shut down their body's ability to eliminate the water you're pumping into them. You are literally drowning innocent people around the world to death with this drug called remdesivir by causing acute kidney failure, pulmonary edema that they are lying to you and calling secondary pulmonary, they call it secondary pneumonia to COVID. That is not what it is. It's harm from remdesivir and the kidneys. They are shutting down. down the kidneys with remdesivir. And in fact, we have the statistics from New York alone. When you look at Medicare data, CMS data, we actually have the numbers for all Medicare age patients treated in just that one state. Five days of remdesivir treatment in Medicare patients. It's, the death toll is 26.9% of all of them died from acute kidney failure. Okay. So I, I'm thrilled that you're reporting this and you're trying to get it out to the world. Why aren't there other doctors in America who are, I mean, there are some certainly challenging a lot of what Dr. Fauci has to say. There are doctors challenging his shutting down of the, uh, or, or speaking uh, negatively about hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, uh, inhaled budesonide, trying to essentially push that we're no treatments available to justify the emergency use authorization to get the vaccines going. Why are there, I mean, doctors and hospitals seem to be going along with him. Why, why isn't there more outrage? Why isn't there more? Uh, I think there's outrage from some of us, but like Dr. Peter McCullough, who's become a very close colleague of mine, he'll tell you his concern is there's a million licensed medical professionals in America, but only like 500, he says, are aware of what's going on or want to admit what is going on. And I tell him, well, if it's 500, there's got to be like 50 or less who are actually speaking out about it. Oh my gracious. Okay. I want to get one other thing on this. We are going to, we have a bunch of other topics. I do um, one great thing about our Thursday shows. We have an audience here and they get to ask questions too before the end. Um, but I, and it sounds a little bit naive to say this Pollyanna, but 
if you are laying this out, because I've had friends who say, who said, when I challenge, I say, you shouldn't listen to Dr. Fauci, or at least should listen to other doctors. There are effective treatments. You should try hydroxychloroquine. Don't just listen to Dr. Fauci. There's a lot of reverence for, well, he's the, you know, he's the number one. He's our number one guy. He's been the government forever. This is his job. I mean, why would he lie? And to your other point about he's just trying to push the vaccines, why would he push the vaccines? Why was he so gung-ho determined to have the vaccines on board? Well, why, does, why is the NIH and Moderna allowed to share patents and royalties on the vaccines? Yeah. <laughs> the one organization <clears throat> that Anthony Fauci's over in one of their departments is allowed to hold patent rights and percentages of the Moderna shot he is saying is the only solution to this pandemic. So the answer is money. Oh, there's a huge conflict of interest. Yep. Okay. And money's a big one. Well, actually, on that subject, um, there's a concern expressed by many doctors. I've forgotten. Someone recently was on the show talking about the idea about regulatory capture, this concept that the pharmaceutical companies over the years convinced the FDA, CDC, that they should help in and provide the basis for studies for the efficacy of their drugs and the vaccines. So you had just an obvious inherent conflict of interest with the pharmaceutical companies manufacturing vaccines and then trying to seek approval, but they're the ones giving the information to the FDA to give approval. I mean, isn't that the most, uh, Orwellian doesn't even begin to describe it. It's just, it's a conflict of interest that got the government around to supporting the vaccine companies, the pharmaceuticals determination to make more vaccines, not just available, but required, right? Yeah, I find it disgusting. I've actually followed the CDC and implicated the CDC in a lot of these conflict of interest for the last 20 years that I was in practice. I was constantly on the CDC's website getting information and documents and research. Don't, don't, wouldn't any of you be bothered with the fact that the CDC owns a lot of the vaccines they're pushing on your kids and giving you the schedule for? Isn't that weird? I don't think that that's okay. And the flu vaccines, they're pushing everyone to get. How can any of them own any of those rights to those vaccines? It sounds like something you <laughs> would... a government agency. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It sounds like you would accuse a you know, banana republic of doing that kind of government would do that. But in America, I think people don't know it. And, they are, and, and the pharmaceuticals, the other point that is frequently brought out, they don't make money on the drugs they previously produce when the patent has lapsed. I mean, they're, they're just, those aren't money makers. You might be saying, well, they still sell XYZ and it's still prescribed, but they make money on vaccines because they're novel and the patents exist. Correct? Yes, that is very true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to just bring up something because a lot of people are going to question what I'm saying and make and my claims that I'm making. So I'm just going to throw something out to your audience so they can go back it up. <laughs> just try me. But let's stick with the NIH. Let's see if we can trust them. I want you guys, anybody at home, to actually go to an inter internet search engine of any kind and type in NIH.gov. Table 2F. <laughs> the rest of the title chart is characteristics of antivirals approved or under evaluation for COVID-19 treatment. You don't have to type all that in. Just type in NIH.gov table 2F. This actually has a list that the NIH just updated on December 16th of last month. And they list remdesivir as the only FDA approved drug on that list for treating COVID-19 patients. And I want you to look at the column next to remdesivir, and it's titled Adverse Events. And I want you to look at the fifth bullet point under Adverse Events 
on the NIH's website who is telling America this is the only drug we can pump into the veins of all COVID-19 patients that are hospitalized. It actually reads, the vehicle for remdesivir is called SBECD. SBECD is inside the drug. It is known to cause liver and renal toxicity. That is liver and kidney failure. Also look up on any search engine, remdesivir cardiotoxicity, October, 2021. There's a published study that remdesivir causes heart disease and kills cells of the heart that that drug does. The only one they're pumping into your veins. It's interesting. Hydroxychloroquine doesn't do that. In fact, on the Cardiovascular Toxicology's journal publication in October of 2021, they said remdesivir was found to cause death to heart cells that was dramatically more than chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. Isn't that amazing? Because Anthony Fauci said on the memo in 2020 not to use hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, only remdesivir, because it was proven to cause heart failure in COVID-19 patients and death. But yet the Cardiovascular Toxicology Journal just published in October of 2021 that remdesivir causes dramatically worse heart inflammation and death of heart cells called cardiomyocytes more than chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine do. And it's still December 18th, 16th, sorry, December 16th, 2021, the NIH table 2F, they still only push remdesivir as the only treatment. I'll tell you something else that causes people, uh, because I do talk to, I actually talk to people wide across the political spectrum, and people, like what you're saying, I, I'm not in the slightest doubting what you're saying. I, I am nodding along and cheering along with everything you're exposing. I'm very grateful for that. People do have the sense, okay, so maybe Anthony Fauci has this evil trait in him that he just, he wanted to get the vaccines out there. There's money to be made for him, for the federal government, for the agencies who have interests in the vaccine companies. But why isn't like everyone else at the NIH quitting? Why aren't they calling press conferences? I mean, just, it seems the most massive, deadly, outrageous conspiracy against the American people. What's your thought about that? Why aren't more people speaking up? <laughs> it's amazing to me that more people don't speak up. I honestly think, unfortunately, and I don't, I, I don't know this is the fact of why, but when medical doctors around the country are calling me who are vascular surgeons or working in COVID ICU units around the country after they see my videos of how remdesivir is proven to actually kill people, tear down the kidneys, the liver and the heart, lead to pulmonary edema, drown these people to death, which is requiring a vent because they can't breathe, you're flooding their lungs with water. When I actually presented all this and the videos have made it to them, these medical doctors, nurse practitioners will go to the hospital administrators. They will show them our videos. Then they look at the data for their hospitals. And it is 30% young and old are dying at the rate I spoke about since May of 2020. They are seeing these numbers and they're showing their hospital administrators. Do you know what the administrator's response has been to these doctors who are crying on the phone to me? Yeah. This is the response of every single administrator. You have till X date to get the shot or you're fired. And all they're pleading for is a change in the protocol. The unfortunate part, every doctor says we're now actually selling our homes, considering selling our property because I'm not gonna go through with the mandate and I'm gonna lose my job. But this is what keeps them showing up at work every day is their livelihood. Yep. So I unfortunately think a lot of people are stuck in a reality that they can't find a livelihood somewhere else if they walk. 
But to me, that's not a good excuse to allow homicide or murder to continue. And I have called this Anthony Fauci's genocide since then. But I will tell you, Anthony Fauci by far is a puppet. He is not an intellect. There is no way <laughs> that he is smart enough to pull this off on his own. He is, it is being completely orchestrated by powers above him. Such and he's allowed to stay there. Powers above him, such as the pharmaceutical companies, such as... No, I actually don't think it's the pharmaceutical companies. I think they're owned, too. I think it's way deeper than that. Okay. My, my <laughs> suspect always is a George Soros, but... Okay. okay. I, I think it's actually above <laughs> George Soros, yeah. Okay. Well, I want to jump... So we've been talking about remdesivir, which is just a, a run death is near, which is just a great... I mean, that's one piece of this. The second is the content of the vaccine that was created after Fauci managed to create the demand for it by everything we just talked about. So um, I sent Ziggy... Um, I, I hope you got my email, Ziggy. I sent you a chart that was... Uh, had been... You presented, uh, Dr. Okay. I don't know if this is oh, actually it is good and clear to read. I think you might probably clean it up. Thank you, Mr. Becker. Anyway, you described at a uh, seminar, a conference where you spoke, that the FDA, which is was then going to be releasing the vaccines or getting ready to release the vaccines, listed this list of potentially dangerous possible impact or, or effects, side effects of the vaccines. And uh, my listeners, our listeners are now seeing this chart. So, I, I mean... This list was deeply alarming. I guess they have to be, they're trying to be over-inclusive, what possible danger could flow. So do you know whether they concluded after list, uh, sending out this list that there really wasn't a danger of any of this? I mean, Because or, 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 I'm going to get around to the point. Did they bother telling the people taking the shot that these were the possible side effects? Uh, no, none of these side effects were listed on the original fact sheets for any of the shots when they came out. All right, so I really do appreciate you cleaning up this chart, but you cut off a major part of this chart. I couldn't get it, it it's off. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's really okay. But y'all should go look at the chart. This is actually dated October 22nd, 2020. And the FDA has this division inside of it called the CBER. It's the Centers for Biologicals, Experiments and Research. They oversee vaccines and reporting of vaccine injuries and safety. That's what this meeting was about. The date's very important. It was October 22nd, 2020. That's two months before the shots ever came out. It's a 25-slide presentation. If you want it, you can email us at info at thedrartistshow.com. We'll send you the whole 25-slide presentation because you can't find it at the FDA anymore. But it's there. I've got the whole thing. On this, on this slide presentation, the CBER is making the heads of the FDA aware. This is titled Safety and Effectiveness of COVID-19 Vaccines. This is how they're going to be establishing whether or not these are dangerous or working. Two months before the shots came out, that slide, you can put it up there. This is slide 16 of their 25-slide presentation. What's cut off of this is the bottom. And on the bottom, on the left underneath anaphylaxis is actually acute myocardial infarction, which is heart attacks. They knew were going to be reported. This is the CBER of the FDA telling the heads of the FDA, we know this list of side effects are going to start being reported to VAERS and to CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, when these shots come out. FDA, this is what we're expecting to be reported. This is the working list. Two months before the shots ever came out. They expected this to happen. Underneath anaphylaxis is actually acute myocardial infarction and then myocarditis and pericarditis. Yeah. And right below there, the last one on that left column is autoimmune diseases which there are currently 80 diagnosable autoimmune diseases in this country. They expect any of those to be reported to the government. Now, what's interesting about this list that I always found really disturbing, 
why didn't the FDA actually list deaths as their very first concern? I was wondering why, that. Why is it? <laughs> it's actually number 13 on the second column. Why, why didn't they worry about deaths and miscarriages, which is number two? But they list on that list, there's five different blood clot disorders they expected to occur from these shots and to be reported. They're on that list. They also expect multiple neurological conditions. The first one's Guillain-Barre syndrome. You might as well just picture in your mind what polio looks like. Ascending paralysis of your legs, ascending, or, and then it goes to your arms, you'll lose control of your limbs, and then half your faces. Oh. That 40% of people will never recover the rest of their life. That's the first listed side effect they expected to be reported from these shots. They have acute demyelinating diseases, which is multiple sclerosis, for example. Uh, transverse myelitis, which is you can be paralyzed from the waist down for life. Encephalitis, which is swelling on the brain neurologically, that in children leads to autism and Asperger's. That's the side effect of encephalitis, which they know is going to be caused by this. On the right side of that chart, which is not on there because it got cut off, at the bottom on the right is a condition called multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. Yeah. It's abbreviated MIS-C. Uh, look it up at mayoclinic.com. Look up the side effects of MIS-C. They're not reporting this to the FDA. It's being reported directly to the CDC, these reports, and there's already over 6,000 kids with this. Multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, it's only in children. The FDA listed that as a known side effect from the coming vaccines, and now they're pumping these shots into every five to 11 year old children. And just so you know, the Omicron variant that they're talking about right now, coming out of South Africa, notice that in our media reports, what they reported was, this was increasing dramatically hospitalizations of two-year-olds. This is the month after the FDA said, we can now push these shots to all five to 11 year old children. The whole reason why they're saying this is affecting now two-year-old children, even though none of them died, is to prime all of Americans, all parents, teachers, grandparents, that it's okay now, this, this variant is a threat to children. We now have to vaccinate all zero to five-year-old children. It's coming, don't worry. It, you can actually watch the entire story. This is already narrated, it's already planned out. This is what they're working towards. But that multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, I'm speaking on this, they know that's a coming side effect of these shots. The Mayo Clinic says, it's multiple organs in the body of a child that become so severely inflamed, brain, kidneys, heart, liver, spleen, the bowels. All at once they become so inflamed, what's the complication they list? Death can occur from this condition. Now, just so you know, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children is not a known effect of coronaviruses or what we call common, common cold viruses, but it is a published side effect of these shots. And just so you know, the American Heart Association published on October 8th of this year, they published, sorry, November 8th of this year, 2021, which was actually last year, now that we're in January. Yeah. But on November 8th, the American Heart Association published in their circulation journal that the mRNA vaccines, which is what Pfizer is, which is the only one they're giving to kids in America, dramatically, they said, increases inflammation of cardiac muscle leading to blood clot disorders, cardiomyopathy, which is heart disease, and other vascular events following the vaccine, which includes strokes and heart attacks. The mRNA vaccines, that's what the American Heart Association said. You know, it's amazing. They printed that and then they were asked to change their conclusion. So they reprinted it. Oh, only they, is, who they, the CDC? Whoever, someone told them to change their conclusion. And now it reads the mRNA vaccines numerically increase heart inflammation. Like numerically reads better than dramatically. Yeah, well, now we should make people less kids. frightened. Uh, yeah, maybe, just know. 
the American Heart Association was trying to be honest and to warn you. Okay. So the first portion of our talk today, we were talking about Dr. Fauci and his selection of the most dangerous drug possible to be the one forced on uh, American uh, people in hospitals that suffering from COVID. This run death is near is much better name, uh, run uh, Now we're talking about the vaccines and the conduct of the federal government in uh, in recognizing the extreme dangers uh, and possible side effects, and yet uh, of those drugs in their own documents. And then when they got to distributing the vaccines around the country, those were not listed. The, the person who goes in to get a shot is not told, hey, here's a whole list of things that you might get. That was just never, didn't become part of the disclosure that, that people. Um, okay, so get. from the beginning, can I answer that? Oh, from yeah. the beginning, the fact sheets, F-A-C-T sheets that the FDA prints for each of the shots that go out. If you go to get your shot, you're supposed to be able to ask for the fact sheets to make an informed decision. And that's what the FDA creates and sends out with all the shots. From the time they released these, none of those listed side effects that the FDA created those fact sheets of two months later, they didn't list any of those as known side effects or expected side effects. So no one would have truly had informed consent. However, it has been since then, since May and June of last year, it has been on there on Moderna and on Pfizer's shots. On the fact sheet, it actually says myocarditis and pericarditis are known side effects of these shots. On the Johnson & Johnson one, it actually says Guillain-Barre syndrome is a known side effect of these shots. Blood clot disorders are a known side effect. And what I was trying to figure out is why didn't the FDA just tell you from the beginning? They already knew before they actually started pumping out the shots. One by one, all of these will be on those listed fact sheets okay. eventually. I want to hit another point about the I don't even nefarious isn't even a strong enough word, but I've noticed. I mean, we don't watch a lot of football, at our, a lot of television in our house, but we do watch football, football games, and we have noticed commercials. Just, I mean, and especially if I'm working out on the exercise machine, I got some, some television just to distract me. Commercials from the federal government pushing the vaccines. I mean, it isn't just that they are making people aware that you could get one if you want to, or you know, if you need information, they're pushing them. It's a message of if you, if you love your neighbor, if you care enough, this is a, if you're talking about the failure to disclose in, in an adequate, thorough way, the content of the vaccines, the dangers of the vaccines, and compounding that, they're spending your tax dollars advertising to you that you need these vaccines when they do understand all these side effects, which you're not going to be told about when you go to get the shot. I mean, I, I, I honestly, it sounds criminal. It sounds criminal. It's inducing you, enticing you to get a shot as in any other medication. You expect to be told the risks, the side effects, the, and then you can make an informed decision. They are leaving America with no capacity to make an informed decision. You're right. And pushing it. That, that's, that's criminal. I agree. Why aren't they pushing natural immunity? Do you know there's 144 studies right now that confirm natural immunity to SARS-CoV-2 is longer lasting than the COVID-19 vaccine immunity? I mean, this is amazing. September of 2021, the European Journal of Immunology published a study. They found that individuals who got SARS-CoV-2 infection, they have robust antibodies, natural antibodies, CD4, CD8, T cells, which are all your natural immunity. 13 months later after the original infection, at that point, if I asked you right now, what's Pfizer's advertised immunity to the shots? No idea. Six months. That Pfizer says is effective for six months? Pfizer says that it's only good for six months and it starts to wane. That's why we need a booster every six months. What does Moderna say? 
Moderna says ours only lasts six months, so you need a booster every six months. What does Johnson & Johnson say as of two, three weeks ago? Their immunity is only two months. And what was Anthony Fauci's response that day when he was asked? What do you have to say about Johnson & Johnson now saying their immunity only lasts two months? For all the Americans who took the one shot thinking one was better than two. Do you remember his response? Anthony Fauci actually said this out loud. I guess what we learned is that it should have been two shots from the beginning. Really, two shots. Do you know what two times two is? Two months times two, that's four months. And regardless, even if it was two shots and you only got four months of immunity and Pfizer's advertising six months immunity, the European Journal of Immunology has already been able to prove you have 13 months at that point in September of 2021 that they could see. It couldn't be any longer. We've only had this around for two years. So it's just going to continue to be longer. Natural immunity is far superior to the advertised and marketed benefit of the COVID-19 shot so far by double. Oh, my gosh. Hey, we're happy. I mean, people in the audience, if you're hearing that, they want to clap. They're like, yes, natural immunity. Okay. There was a lawsuit filed um, at the International Court of Justice, International Criminal Court. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, it was – I want to ask you, are you aware of this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The defendants – this is a – an international effort to use the International Criminal Court to hold criminally liable, uh, and it lists a lengthy list of defendants, I won't read them all, but Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, defendant number one, uh, the gentleman who is the Director General of the World Health Organization, Tedros, uh, whatever his last name is, um, June Rain, Executive Director of Medicines and Healthcare Agency, a list about uh, Peter um, Daszak, President of EcoHealth Alliance, um, list is CEO of Pfizer, CEO of AstraZeneca, CEO of Moderna, CEO of Johnson Johnson, Boris Johnson, who what in the world ever happened to him? He used to be good. Um, Anyway, I'm getting at the and Klaus Schwab. This is great, President of the World Economic Forum. So there's criminal uh, complaint made against these people, and this is in part. I think it's related to the UK. This case, but but I want to get the idea. Do you think the knowledge you are describing is, uh, of what the content of Remdesivir was, how dangerous it was, what the content of the vaccines is, if they're is, is it worthy of international criminal prosecution? Is it, do you see it as that bad? Yes, I do. Oh, me too. I just want you to say it. <laughs> so America, you have to understand America, two years into this pandemic, we have 850,000 plus dead Americans, supposedly from COVID-19. Where'd they all die? In hospitals and ICUs. What were they being pumped full? 100% of them with remdesivir. Do you know what the second highest death total country in the world is? Brazil. Do you know they have 630,000 dead now? which is way less than us still, but as the second highest death total in the world for a country, guess what drug that is the only drug they've been using since the first week of March, 2021. Yeah, go ahead. Run death is near. (laughs) Remdesivir is right. So they have been using solely one drug ever since, and they've had almost 400,000 deaths just this year, which is more than they had during the pandemic during 2020. And so these two countries represent the highest death totals in the world for COVID-19. And what's the only drug being pumped into all their hospitalized patients? Remdesivir. Yeah, you you can't make this up. I don't know how you can't see this logically. There's a lot of doctors in a lot of medical societies who have seen the evidence as I lay it out. It makes sense to all of them, which is phenomenal, which is why the likes of Peter McCullough, Ryan Cole, all of them push me, Dr. Richard Urso, Dr. Richard Bartlett, constantly, they constantly reach out to me to continue to project. Early treatment is always best. 
avoid the hospitals is exactly their same mantra, but early treatment, there are so many things that work and are way safer, way more effective than the remdesivir dexamethasone venting protocol inside of hospitals. One other quick topic I want to hit, and then we'll turn to our audience questions, but there was a conversation recently um, that was uh, a long, long interview uh, that involved um, Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, and they used, they were beginning to talk about this idea of mass formation psychosis. And I, Dr. Malone was on my show two or three weeks ago and talked about this a little bit. But I think this is among the most evil, I mean, the whole thing we're describing is so evil, but among the most evil aspects is there was fear infects, infested, like slit, uh, in, induced into our society, into people's thought about COVID. Once you uh, diminish the, the value or worth of things that do work, like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, budesonide, all that, budesonide, all that stuff, and you tell people there's nothing you can do, and stay at home until you practically can't, this is how Dr. Bartlett sometimes says, until you can't even breathe, and then get to the hospital, and we're a sick on a ventilator. I mean, it, it isn't just the poor advice about early treatment as, as being effective, as many doctors are now trying to say, but it is an, an intentional infection of the American, of the international world, but certainly American, of just psychosis and fear and people who don't read outside of what Dr. Fauci said, who don't research, they are just frozen in fear. And I wonder if you could just address that. Do you, do you think this mass formation psychosis is a is accurate, a real thing that should be talked about? And do you see it? Yeah, I do agree with it. There's a, a different way I've actually talked about this for the last 10 months, though. Uh, and Zev Zelenko says the same thing. I was just visiting with him yesterday and he has that same viewpoint, that there's this mass psychosis going on. Uh, early on in the pandemic with all of the propaganda that was going on, so I'm, I'm talking like a year ago, I started recognizing that what they were saying and doing in the media and what they were expecting of people to do physically and behavior-wise reminded me a lot of what cult leaders do with their cults. Oh. I mean, seriously, look at Jamestown, right? Or Jonestown. Jonestown, look at yeah. Applegate. These guys could actually get their followers to voluntarily <laughs> sign up to kill themselves. Yeah, like they could. They did. They're using every successful cult technique right now against every single innocent citizen in every country around the world. And I'm gonna tell you what I learned. So I decided, because I'm not a cult expert, I decided about a year ago, I was gonna buy some books of some cult experts <laughs> because I knew I was in the media already. And I was like, how can I actually reach people who appear to be like brainwashed where right. you can't get through to them, this mass psychosis you're talking about. How do you break through to them? Because if I'm gonna be in the media trying to save their lives, how do I get them to hear me? This is what I was really worried about. So I bought books from Steve Hassan and uh, Rick Ross, who are internationally and America's greatest supposed cult experts. And Steve, Steve Hassan wrote a book in 2013. It's called Freedom of Mind. It just happened to be the first one I bought. And I was very intrigued when I read on page four of his book, Freedom of Mind. It says that there's four major types of cults in the world. There's what's called therapeutic, commercial, religious, and political. And I was just interested, first off, I knew about the religious, but I wanted to know about the political because I never even thought about a political cult. So I read it and I'm reading the description. And he says, Steve Fasson, America's supposed number one cult expert, he states that a political cult in order to be successful and massively destructive has to do two things. 
they have to control the media and they have to prevent free assembly. Uh, prevent free assembly. Okay. Really? There Does we are. Does that not sound like the entire 2020 move and 2021 move? So oh they had to control the media and prevent free assembly. And he gets into why. Then he goes even a step further and he starts explaining that any cult can be even more successful if they can adopt some of what religious cult leaders do. And that was get your followers to wear an article of clothing every day. This conditions them behaviorally. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. The mask every day is something to wear every day just to condition you to see who will follow you. And then as you do that every day, wear the same article clothes. And you can think about cults, you can think about religions. They do use clothing as a way of controlling you. This is one of the ways they condition you and break you down psychologically. So I actually just took the approach. It was going to be much easier on my end to talk from the perspective of cults because anyone who's watched cult documentaries or known someone in a cult, the things they do are irrational to you who's not in the cult and you so desperately want to bring them out. But one of the things I learned from it, and if you've seen my speeches or any of my talks ever since reading these books, what he said was, if you actually get angry at somebody who's in a cult, who's being brainwashed or mass psychosis driven, uh, if you approach them with anger or blame, it drives them deeper into that cult yeah. and away from you. They, they start not trusting you. And cult leaders get every single one of their cult followers to not trust anyone outside of the cult. It doesn't matter if it's family, friends, and what have they been doing nonstop? They don't want you to trust being around your grandkids, trust you to be around grandma and grandpa. They're the enemy. Now, children are the super spreaders. You should be afraid of them if they're not vaccinated. We need to start vaccinating them. This is all cult te technique to me. This is how they're controlling the masses. It's using every successful cult technique. What Steve Hassan said, which was something that was eye-opening to me was, he said, the only way we teach family members of loved ones in a cult to communicate with them is you have to bring common sense and logic. So information that's logical and you have to come from a place of love. If you don't, you will drive them further from you and deeper into the cult. So if you haven't seen any of my speeches, I often will say, I'm only doing this because I love you. And it's not because I'm trying to break you out of a cult. There was no other reason why I even went into the media. It was just trying to protect innocent people from being harmed. And for anyone who knows the full story, you know my wife, Jane. Yeah. Her dad was murdered in a hospital here in Dallas in February of 2020, not with a COVID protocol, with a horribly advised and suggested hospital protocol for the flu. Oh. And they killed him in nine days using a drug called vancomycin, which causes acute kidney failure. It flooded his lungs with water. They called it pneumonia, and it wasn't. I called out the hospital administrators, the doctors, got them to change the protocols on day six. He was having forced air given to him on day six. When I changed the protocols, all of it. Within four hours, he became conscious where he was unconscious for the last 48 hours. His breathing improved. He was taken off the forced air only to have the hospital that night call my wife and say we were abandoning everything we changed him to and we're going back to the hospital protocol before. And then I went up there the next morning, they escorted me out for, with security and then convinced my wife's family to follow the hospital protocol, which I said will be the demise of him. They'll end his life. And they did, they murdered him 
over the next 48 oh, hours. I did not know so, the details of the story. So February was three months before Anthony Fauci's mandated protocol. This is how I recognized the entire protocol is set up to cause acute kidney failure, flood these individuals' lungs with water. They're going to call it COVID pneumonia. It is not. It's pulmonary edema. And they're going to vent all of them as they're flooding these individuals with water and drowning them to death. That is what they're doing in every hospital across this country and now going into other countries since the end of 2020. Well, I have about 75 more questions, however. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> however. We'll keep them to five-second answers. <laughs> no, actually, I want to give our audience a chance. I think um, Eric has a microphone or somebody. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, the deal is we have new people here today, which is great. Uh, people we do have had before, new people. If you have a question, we're going to pass the microphone around. You have to hold it really close to your mouth and speak up because it's not just for the room to hear. It's for the uh, to go out to our listeners. And so and if someone has a question... I love your socks, by the way, your martini socks. Um, <laughs> Me too. Thanks. Um, so I, I was reading something about, like, they know Social Security is going to go bust in 2028, so this is a way to kind of expedite things. And then if they're not making uh, people who are coming here illegally get vaccinated, but making us, do you think, like, it's even more diabolical than... Yes. Now, I will tell you, uh, great question. The question was, is Social Security might go bust by 2028? Uh, I mean, I'm only 45 years old. I've been an adult for 25 years. Do you know how much talk I've heard about and, been, and have recognized about the worries of Medicare and Social Security funding with the baby boomers? How many there were? We don't have all the funding to handle them. Obviously, the government hasn't figured out how to manage these labor workers' money for the last however many years. But yes, there's always been a talk and a concern about the funding for Social Security and Medicare being able to cover all of them. And what's the, in my opinion, I've said it nonstop, what would be the fastest way to remove the responsibility for funding these individuals? Medicare right now is bribing every hospital in America with a 20% bonus payout for all Medicare patients if you'll just drug them with remdesivir. Now, this is what's amazing. It's on CMS.gov's website. They are bribing every hospital with a 20% bonus payout. Why would Medicare need to bribe hospitals in America to use the one and only drug that the NIH says is FDA approved for COVID-19 hospitalized Americans? Why would Medicare have to bribe them to use that with a 20% bonus payout? If Medicare is concerned about their funding and the amount of money they have, why are they willing to pay $2,400 for five days of remdesivir treatment and then add another 20% bonus pay on top of that? That's $3,000. Do you know what ivermectin costs? A dollar a day. Do you know how many prescriptions Medicare paid for last year? Medicare paid ivermectin for their people. Through the end of September, it was 142,000 doses they paid for. Average cost, $24 a day. Ivermectin can actually beat COVID in five days. Yep. Five. That means $24 times five for Medicare would be $150 if they use that instead of remdesivir. Why are they willing to pay $3,000 with a 20% bonus payout in that number over $150 for maybe using ivermectin or something cheaper? Why does Medicare have to bribe them? Okay. I, I, There's only one drug. Supposedly it's used right, for COVID-19. Right. Why? I'm, I thought all hospitals were going to use it anyway. Why do we have to incentivize them to drug all Medicare age patients? They want to kill you. 
this great concern that the content of the vaccines, especially being talked about, you know, I didn't even get to the point about in, you know, in America, it's bad enough what's being pushed, but we had recently had, it was the Italian uh, government has decided they are going to mandate the vaccine for everybody over age 50, period, no exceptions. That's Pay Italy. attention to Italy. Yeah, that's Italy, and then they have... Pay can- attention to Italy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's astonishing. <laughs> Canada, uh, they just had the, the um, I guess it's prime minister in Canada and the president in France, but the prime minister just saying, you know, he want to... Um, he wants to mock the unvaccinated. Uh, the French Macron was just saying he wants to he used a crass term about what he wanted to do with the unvaccinated. This is a it is an astonishing uh, mind control thing that wh- whoever is pushing all this, these leaders are just willing to treat the unvaccinated like like the lepers or like the, like the, the people who are dragging society down. And there's no reason to believe that they're hurting anybody. I mean, who's controlling all that i want you to solve this who's controlling all that pay attention to italy well Actually, pay attention to the vatican pay attention to the pope well i have to tell you didn't italy aren't they the one that they had their... and it's in italy by the way the vatican yeah pay um, attention didn't italy have the they're the country that had the whatever their um cdc data and national agency is in Italy. They had they actually took a look back at the numbers they put out about COVID deaths, and they looked at in Italy what percentage of the COVID deaths were actually uh, deaths caused by COVID, like actually died from COVID versus died with COVID. Did you know if you saw this thing they they put out their numbers with the, of the massive number of people who they had claimed died from COVID, only three percent died caused by COVID. All the rest just died with COVID. I mean, the numbers frighten people, and then it, it adds to the um, fear-mongering. So uh, you want to say something else? I can tell look on your well, face. At, at the end of 2020, the CDC said that we can only confirm probably 6% of the total of the 550,000 they said died. They said only about 6% can we actually confirm or attribute to COVID-19. That means 94%, they said, were due to comorbidity issues. We really can't tell you which one it was. Meaning like a car accident, for example, and then you, uh, but you had COVID. Okay. Other questions? Please go. Exactly. Yes. Can you expand on what you mean by Vatican and, and Italy? Yeah, people always want to know. Sure. They want me to expand on Italy. Yeah, I will. Ready? Yeah. I hardly ever talk about this. I've only been asked a couple times about this. Okay. It, people constantly want to ask me. Why is Fauci saying what he's doing and why is he doing what he's doing if we know this stuff is so harmful and dangerous? And why is Joe Biden supporting it? They're all saying the same thing. Why is Francis Collins okay with this? Why is Walensky saying this? And I'm like, y'all, these guys are puppets. Of? Watch what the Pope says and tell me they are not saying the exact same thing he's saying. Puppets of the Pope. Oh, yeah. Mark my words. Purpose of the Pope. Go ahead, mark my words. I just said okay. it. Watch the Pope, watch the Roman Catholic Church. Watch, watch the Pope. I'm not talking about parishioners in the Catholic Church. I'm saying, why is a religious leader, Cult. why would a religious leader this month come out and say, in the last month, by the way, why would he come out and say what the world needs right now is less military funding and less military personnel for all countries? And the second thing out of his mouth was, the second thing that the, all the world needs is more vaccines. Do you want to know who else is behaving this exact same way and is saying the exact same thing? Joe Biden's saying the same thing. Look at what he did. He pulled all of our military out of Afghanistan. Listen to the Pope. There's somebody orchestrating all of this. 
It's not like I talk to the Pope. Just watch the Pope. Watch his behavior and watch what he's saying. He's been demanding for the last two years a one world, all leaders of the free world, including ours, to meet with him in Rome, to teach them all a new education system for all citizens worldwide. When it didn't happen in May of 2020, he said, we're gonna do it in Geneva, Switzerland in November of 2021. That didn't happen either with all these COVID restrictions. Just watch. What other world leader, religion leader, can you, do you know has the pull to bring all world leaders from every country around the world to come meet with him to learn how to educate the entire world with a new education system? Just watch. He wants a world without borders. He wants a world without the military. Rome has never given up their attempt to actually govern, I believe, the entire world. And they're just going to do it through religion. Wow. Did you think that was coming? No, I did not. That is, I have read a lot that you said. Listen to what you said. I did not know that was coming. Okay. Other questions? <laughs> we have probably have time for about one more if it's really short. Now, maybe he'll shock us and say something different next week. But like he'll say, so far. I believe in national sovereignty and yeah. nation states. That yeah. would be phenomenal. Okay. One quick question. So what do you think? How much time is it going to be before we're all exposed? you know, expulged enough that we're sponged out of the world order here before we have a new global world order. So if the Pope's behind question. this, oh, trust me, a lot of people, China. That, a lot of people think, uh, yeah, you know, you know how many people blame this on the communist China? So, so many people blame this on the CCP, like they're in control of all this. The Vatican owns the CCP. So be careful. <laughs> they own them. So look into their history. You'll see. Why is it the CCP is paying the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican, hundreds of millions of dollars every year from the CCP? Why would they pay them hundreds of millions of dollars as the result of organ harvesting of children and live people, sex trafficking of children? Why would the CCP give them money to the Vatican? What would the CCP want with the Vatican? Nothing. However, if you ever see how a drug cartel works or operates, drug cartel provides the product. What do the dealers do? They owe you money. Why would the CCP be paying hundreds of millions of dollars to the Vatican? That is profits from organ harvesting of children, which runs our organ donations and organ transplant medicinal uh, industry, which is a billion dollars a year, a year industry. It is horrific what is going on in this world. It's, her it's horrific. And I haven't really brought this up a lot. So I was talking to Dr. Zev Zelenko yesterday and I asked him, I said, how much hope do we have? And this is really all I count on, because this is what he says. God always wins. He put that on Telegram. And God I'm like, always wins. God yeah. only always Great. wins. Yep. Okay, good. God always wins. And on that note, and I, I feel like we're leaving people hanging because you did introduce a new thing at the end, and we're not really, I don't have time to explore it as I'd love to, so maybe you'll come back sometime. Uh, but I do want to thank you for joining us. You have your own website. I want to have you quickly mention that for our listeners. It's Dr. Brian. Go ahead. It's Artist. actually the Dr. Artist Show. So the D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com. And really, if I was going to actually mention anything, my goal has been nonstop to try to protect individuals from being injured, killed, maimed, diseased in hospitals, period. Hospitals are by far the least safest place you should be going to right now in this world. So at the drartistshow.com, for people who set up a username and password and then sign into the website, like with that free name you just set up, there's a new resources tab that appears on the website. 
That resources tab is for all COVID-related information, patient advocacy stuff for hospitals. On the bottom right of that page, it's only one page, on the bottom right are two forms everyone in America needs to download and print. They're free. One's called the Medical Directive to Physicians form and then the Medical Power of Attorney form. All of your rights have been stolen from you in hospitals. There's no longer patient's rights. These two forms are your only recourse you have right now to actually tell the hospital what you do consent to and do not consent to in the way of COVID-19 treatments or therapies. It actually states first, we do not consent ever to remdesivir treatment or being vented. Also hospitals right now have on their intake forms, if you sign this form, you consent to us giving you the COVID-19 shot while you're here without, our cons without a verbal consent but you don't know what's in there, you're not reading it. So you need to make sure you're letting them know what you do and do not consent to. All hospitals right now are being bribed with a bonus check every month. If they will just PCR test everyone that walks through the door, if they will give a positive COVID-19 diagnosis for certain numbers, yeah. if you'll give us these certain numbers, we'll pay you an added bonus. If you'll remdesivir invent <laughs> them for COVID-19, we'll give you an added bonus, like I just mentioned. And then all hospitals are being incentivized to let their workers walk who won't get the vaccines. The federal government said, if you'll just show us proof that 100% of your working staff is vaccinated, we'll give you an added big bonus each month, which is why they're letting them walk. They don't care. They're getting paid anyway. So your federal health dollars is actually you being used to incentivize hospitals to do things that you do not consent to. So the medical directive to physicians form, the medical power of attorney form, whether you get it from me or anybody else, I don't care, but I just wanted to be a resource for them. So drartist.com. The D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com. Okay, the show.com. Okay, we're actually passed out of time. I wanna, let's please thank our guests for joining us today. I'm so glad you could be here. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show because America matters. I'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for joining us. America, can we talk? Truth about America. Can